Will you turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8? Luke, chapter 8. And this morning, our text is in verse 40 through verse 56. Luke 8.40 says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to read your word, to think on its magnificent truths, to seek to understand what it reveals to us about our Savior, your Son, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, enlarge our vision, help us to come to know our Savior in a better way. Lord, lead us to faith in him. And if there's someone here who has not yet received Christ as Savior through faith in him, Lord, that you would open their eyes today to see and believe. Father, we thank you for this time. May you be honored in it. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. According to Luke chapter 8, verse 40, it says that Jesus returned and a crowd was waiting for him because they were expecting him. Now, if you remember last week and the week before, we looked at a couple of events in the life of Jesus in which Jesus was sailing with his disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. While they were on their way to the Sea of Galilee or across the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up. 
that threatened their lives, threatened the lives of Jesus' disciples. And we saw Jesus calm the storm. He gave the command and the storm immediately stopped. Last week, we saw that when Jesus and his disciples were on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, more on a a Gentile side or a mixed Jewish-Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee, that they encountered a man there who was possessed with many demons. And he was possessed to the degree that he was out of his mind. He was acting like a wild animal, roaming the countryside among the tombs and the rocks. And Jesus, with a word of authority, commanded the demons to come out. And they immediately came out, and the man was restored to his right mind. And it said at the end of that passage last week that the people of that region, the region of the Gerasenes, that that they did not want Jesus there anymore. They were afraid of him. They were afraid of someone who could exercise that much power. And so they said, leave us, go away. The man who was healed wanted to stay. He wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, you need to stay here. Go back and tell your people what God has done for you. And so the man went back and stayed in his town and told what Jesus had done for him. And in the passage that we're looking at this morning, they've traveled back now again to the western side of the Sea of Galilee. They're more back in more exclusively Jewish territory in the region of Galilee. And it says that the people were waiting for him. They were expecting him to return. And as soon as word came that Jesus was on his way back, maybe somebody saw him on the sea, uh, saw him coming, or maybe someone reported that, he, that they had seen him. And a crowd starting, started amassing again to welcome Jesus. And in verses 41 and 42, we meet a man by the name of Jairus. He was an important member of the community. The Bible says in verse 41 that he was a synagogue leader. And so this is someone who was perhaps even a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. He was someone who was well-respected, probably an elder uh, among the synagogue, one of the ruling elders of the synagogue, and uh, someone who would uh, maybe at sometimes teach in the synagogue, maybe at other times direct the affairs of the synagogue. So someone who was very important, someone who was well-respected, someone who was very knowledgeable, probably also of the scriptures. He had heard about Jesus, heard about Jesus' healings, his miracles, perhaps even had heard Jesus teach himself, maybe even saw some of the miracles that Jesus had done for others in the past. But now there was a situation that was personal to him because his daughter was sick and was dying. In fact, verse 42 tells us that it was his only daughter. His only daughter. And the way the text is written, it probably gives the indication that this was his only child. So only son or daughter. He had one child, a daughter, a girl who was about 12 years old, and she was sick and she was deteriorating in her condition. And without help, she was going to die. I can't imagine being in that situation. I can't imagine it. The closest I have ever been to anything like that at all 
was when my youngest daughter was sick with pneumonia when she was about two years old. And she was in the hospital for 12 days. And that was a nerve-wracking time. But I can't imagine having this, this sense, this feeling that there's nothing that you can do and that you can see the situation worsening and without help, you're going to lose your only child. And Jairus goes to the only place where he can imagine going, the only place where he can, he can think of where he might get help. And it doesn't matter that there are crowds crushing against Jesus. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people thronging around Jesus, trying to get close to him, trying to hear him teach. Perhaps other people who needed to be healed, we're going to come across one here in a moment, other people who are trying to fight through the crowds to get to Jesus. But this man, Jairus, came and fought through the crowd and fell down at Jesus' feet. A sign of submission, right? A sign of submission, of humility, and pleaded, begged Jesus to come to his house for his daughter. And now imagine that you're on the way back. Jesus agrees to go. He's coming with you and you're leading him back to your house where your daughter is sick and on the verge of death. And then Jesus stops. Just in in the middle of the road and all of these people are thronging around him and Jesus stops and out of nowhere says, who touched me? Now, just... Look at this from one perspective just for a moment. Look at it from the perspective of Jairus. Come on, let's go, right? My, my daughter is sick. She is dying. What are, we, what are we standing here for? What are we waiting around for? What do you mean who touched you? And like Peter says in the passage, what do you mean, Lord, who touched you? There's people all around you thronging about you. Of course, you've been touched by people. Everyone's touching you. They're bumping into everyone. But you can imagine perhaps the frustration, the the sense of dread in Jairus, in knowing the situation at home, the, the fact that his daughter was dying and he needs Jesus to get there. And now this delay. But Jesus stops, doesn't he? He stops and he says, who touched me? Why? Because he knew that, that power, healing power, had gone out of him. Now, I don't know how that was. I can't explain it. I don't know what Jesus felt. He is unique, isn't he, in being the Son of God. He is 100% fully God. He is 100% fully man. And we have to take into account full deity and full humanity whenever we're talking about Jesus in his ministry on earth. Now, we know from a divine side, from the, the, set, the fact of Jesus being fully God, that Jesus, as God, his power could not be diminished, right? God is infinite in power, and God never has any less power than he had before. So it's not as if God extends power... God doesn't lose any power. Does that make sense? 
Maybe. It's hard for us to understand because if we exert energy, if we exert strength, if we exert power, we get weaker, don't we? We get weaker. If you go to the gym and start lifting weights, there's only so many weights that you can lift before your arms give out, before you're tired. Energy, strength goes out of you. You can only run so far. God, his power never diminishes. His power just goes on and on and on. It's infinite and it never gets smaller. But you also have to take into account Jesus' humanity, right? We know that Jesus as a man gets tired. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat going across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus gets weary. He gets tired. As a man, people, crowds thronging around him. How does Jesus know exactly how power goes out of him? I don't know. But Jesus knew it. He sensed it. And he stops in the middle of the road on the way to Jairus's house. And he says, who touched me? And the woman is ashamed. The woman's ashamed. Why is she ashamed? Well, perhaps because of her condition. The Bible says that she had a a condition of perpetual bleeding that had been going on for 12 years. Now, is it a coincidence that Jairus' daughter is 12 years old and this woman has been battling with this disease, this ailment, for 12 years? Probably not a coincidence. I'm not sure exactly what significance to make of it other than this woman's condition has been going on building for 12 years. Whereas Jairus's daughter, from one perspective, her condition has come on suddenly. But in another sense, you could say that all of her 12 years of life had been building toward this moment. So this woman's 12 years of disease, this girl's 12 years of life, these two moments converge on this particular moment in the life of Jesus, in his ministry. And he stops and he says, who touched me? And this woman is ashamed. She's ashamed because of her condition. Maybe she's ashamed because of her status. Maybe she's poor. Maybe because she's a woman in that society. Who knows? But she is ashamed and she doesn't want to make public that she has come and touched the hem of Jesus. But Jesus knows that she has. And he calls her out. Why? Not to be cruel, but rather so that he can speak to her, so that he can talk to her, so that he can give her words of affirmation, and also so that other people around can see that Jesus has compassion. And one of the things that I see in this passage that it teaches us is that Jesus' compassion is not restricted to a particular group or class of society. Jesus' compassion is not restricted to a particular group or class of society. You have a respected leader of the synagogue, one that everybody in the town knew and they respected him. You also have just a humble servant woman, maybe that nobody knew except for maybe just her family and her close neighbors. Someone who didn't even want to be recognized, didn't want to come out into the open but Jesus has a ministry of compassion on both of them, doesn't he? To those who are important and well-off, to those who are maybe uh, insignificant from the world's eyes, 
and not well off, but they both equally receive the treatment of Jesus and his compassion. He stops. He takes notice. And this isn't the main point of the passage, but I just want to take a moment aside and ask the question, are we ever too busy to stop and take notice of people who are in need? I'm, I'm tempted to think that, that if I were on my way to do something as important as try to save someone from dying, that I would not want to be waylaid by anything. Wouldn't want to be stopped by anybody. There is nothing that I would want to distract me from that. And yet, how many times in our lives are we on the way to do something that's not that important? We're not on the way to heal somebody from dying. We're not on the way to to save someone's life. We're just going to Walmart or we're going to work or whatever it is. And yet our eyes are so focused on that goal that we're like, no, I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to focus or I don't need, I don't have time to get distracted by this. Jesus stops and he has compassion on this woman. And so his compassion is not limited to a particular group or class of society. And so then he says to this woman, daughter, a a word of family, a word of love, a word of affirmation, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Power went out of Jesus when she touched the hem of his garment. She thought in her mind, if I could just get close. If I could just touch his robe, I believe I will be healed. She made it through the crowd. She fought through the crowd. She got there. She got to her destination. She barely reached out and touched an edge of his robe. And in fact, she was healed. Her faith was vindicated. And Jesus affirms that faith in her. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, here is a woman who has had a condition for 12 years that no one has been able to help. No one. Try to imagine, obviously this is a couple thousand years ago and and scientific and medical technology is not what it is today, but they had doctors then, they had medicines then, they had different concoctions of things that, that would help people with different ailments that they had discovered over experience and years. And there is nobody that could help this woman with her problem. And she went time after time going to different people. Anytime she heard that this person might be able to help, she probably went to that person. Yet all to no avail. Imagine today with all the science and technology and medical knowledge that we have, yet there are still things that we haven't figured out. There are still things you could spend 12 years, even today, still trying to figure out. And we would not be able to figure it out from a scientific, a human perspective. It is an incurable disease. But notice for Jesus, there is no such thing as the incurable. Jesus' power is not limited by an incurable disease. For Jesus, the Son of God, there is no such thing as the incurable. He does what people cannot do. He does what normal human wisdom and human strength cannot do. 
Remember what the demon said of who Jesus was when Jesus reached the region of the Gerasenes and he comes upon this man who is possessed by a legion of demons. And do you remember what the demon said? What are you doing here? Jesus, son of the most high God. Those demons recognized who Jesus was rightly, accurately as the son of the most high God. That's who he is in this passage as well. And so when someone comes in faith and touches his garment, the power of the son of the most high God goes out and heals the incurable and does what no one else can do. But remember, there's still a man standing here saying, my daughter's dying. My daughter's dying. And then after all of this distraction, this kind of uh, off the off the path tangent that Jesus has stopped and, and taken time to speak to this woman. And then one of the servants of Jairus comes and says, forget about it. It's not worth it anymore. Stop troubling him. Leave him alone. Let him go on and go on where he was going. Let him go about his business because she's already dead. She's already dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Now, we don't know what Jairus thought upon hearing that news. We don't know if Jairus thought, well, it's too late. It's over. Or if he had in his mind, no, this man, Jesus, can still heal. He can raise from the dead. We don't know what was in his mind because really Luke doesn't give us a chance to know what was in Jairus's mind because as soon as the news comes to Jairus that his daughter is dead, the very next thing that we see is Jesus' words of comfort. Jesus' words of comfort, of affirmation, saying to Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. And so we have the common theme of faith here, don't we? The faith of this woman who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And now Jesus encouraging the same kind of faith in Jairus to just believe even though his daughter had already died. And so Jesus says, don't be afraid. She will be healed. And so they keep walking. That's faith enough right there, isn't it? You keep walking. You keep going back home with Jesus They get to the house. Jesus keeps everyone outside except the parents and Peter, John, and James. You have a crowd outside the house mourning, wailing for this family because of the death of his daughter. And Jesus says, you can almost imagine the scene in your mind. Jesus gets to the house. There's a crowd of people outside. And he says, what are you all crying about? Stop crying. Stop wailing. She's not dead. She's just asleep. Now, imagine us without the benefit of the whole New Testament that we have now to read from. Imagine someone showing up outside of a house and saying that today. What would your reaction be? Well, we might laugh too. They ridiculed. They laughed at Jesus knowing that she was already 
dead. But Jesus has power over that, doesn't he? He knows what's about to come. And so he ignores their laughter. He goes inside. He takes the child by the hand and simply says to her, my child, get up. Get up. Powerful words of Jesus, the son of God. Get up. And notice it says at once her spirit returned and she stood up. Life came back into her. Breath came back into her. She revived. And here is someone who was so sick that she died and she's able to stand up and start moving around. That's exactly how Jesus heals, isn't it? He heals all the way. He heals perfectly. He heals instantly. This woman, when she reached out her hand and touched his garment, she was instantly healed. She could instantly know it. She knew immediately that she was healed. She'd been dealing with this for 12 years. She knew what it was like, and she knew that she was cured immediately. This girl, 12-year-old girl, Jesus says, get up, and immediately life came back into her and strength and wellness to get up, to have the strength to to stand up and to eat something. Jesus says she's hungry. Give her something to eat. And so Jesus has compassion on all kinds of people. Jesus' power is not limited by the incurable. And we see at the end of this passage that Jesus' power is not limited even by death itself. Not even death is too strong for the power of Jesus. He can heal the incurable, including death. In verse 56 probably the understatement of understatements. Her parents were astonished. Your dead daughter is now alive. She's sitting up. She's eating. I would be astonished too. I would be amazed. I would be blown away. I wouldn't know what to think, what to do. You would probably want to go around and tell everyone what had happened, but Jesus says, don't do that. He ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. It's an interesting contrast, isn't it? Between the end of last week's passage and the end of today's passage. Because the end of last week's passage, you had people saying to Jesus, get out of here. We don't want your power here. You have Jairus and his family saying, Jesus, come, come, heal, raise the dead. And they're astonished. They're amazed. They are praising God, perhaps. And then also the contrast from last week to this week is at the end of last last week's passage, Jesus says to the man, you can't come with me. You can't be my disciple and follow me wherever I go. I want you to stay here and I want you to go back and do what? I want you to tell I want you to speak. I want you to say what's been going on and what God has done for you and what I've done for you. But now in this passage, Jesus says, don't tell. Don't spread the news. What's the difference? Why the contrast? The only thing I can think of and and what several scholars have come to the understanding of is that it's probably 
in the way that Jesus was being received and understood as the Messiah within Galilee and Judah, within the more Jewish areas that he ministered. Because if you notice, there's a contrast between how Jesus is also received between the region of the Gerasenes and the region of Galilee. In the region of the Gerasenes, there weren't people thronging around Jesus asking him to stay. But in Galilee, there are thousands of people waiting for him when he gets off the boat. And so the more that news spreads about Jesus, especially news like this, the harder it would be for Jesus to do his ministry and travel around and teach and heal because there would be so many people thronging around him and only coming for the show. And, and having a wrong understanding of what Jesus was there to do as the Messiah, they had a false or at least a, a partial picture, an incomplete picture of who the Messiah was supposed to be. And so Jesus doesn't want that kind of popularity growing and increasing in Galilee. And so he says, don't go and tell. But to the man who is going to stay in an area where Jesus was not going to go back to probably, he says, you go and you tell and spread the word. Jesus' compassion is not limited by the kind of people that we are. Jesus' compassion reaches to every kind of person, rich and poor, educated, non-educated, male, female, slave-free. Jesus' compassion reaches to all kinds of people. Jesus' power is not limited. It's not limited by incurable diseases. It's not limited by death. And so this passage, I think the main idea is showing us that because Jesus is the son of the most high God, he can heal the incurable. Because Jesus is the son of the most high God, he can heal the incurable. He can heal incurable diseases. He can also heal incurable people, can't he? Jesus' compassion reaches out to all kinds of people and his power is limitless. Reminds me of Isaiah 59 verse 1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. And so Jesus, because he is the son of the most high God, can heal the incurable and he can save the unsavable. He can save the unsavable. And so this power of Jesus that was on display here in the physical realm of illness and death is the same kind of power that can heal our sinful, depraved hearts. Just as Jesus can speak life into a little 12-year-old girl who had died and said, get up, he can also speak life into a hardened sinner's heart and say, get up, be alive be free. And it listens and then it's awakened just like that girl was awakened and sat up and became alive. Jesus power can save the unsavable. He can cure the incurable because he is the son of the most high God. May your faith be like the faith of this woman, be like the faith of Jairus, And may it be found in Christ, rest in him, because he is worthy of your full trust.
He is worthy of your faith. And he and he alone can save and deliver. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father God, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. Every time we read one of the stories in this gospel of your servant Luke, our mind is expanded, our eyes are opened, our understanding grows in knowing who Jesus is and what he has come to accomplish, how he has come to reveal who you are, how he's come to fulfill your divine plan. We get a greater understanding of who he is as the God-man with love and compassion, with power and with wisdom. And Father, we see his attributes, his character on display in this passage. This story reveals to us that Jesus clearly is someone worthy of our faith. He is someone that we can bow before and call out to and say, Lord, heal me, save me, cleanse me. And his compassion will reach to us and save us and cure us. And we see also, Lord, that his power is not limited. He can save the most hardened sinner, the most deadened sinner's heart he can awaken. And so, Father, if there is one whose heart is still closed to the gospel, still dead in trespasses and sins, Father, awaken that heart. Awaken that heart to faith in Jesus today. Lord, grow our faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we depend upon him for everything in life. To you be all the glory and praise. Amen.